Ladies and gentlemen, hear them pour. It's the Beer Geeks Radio Hour on WYLK. Uh, back again on another Sunday with some great beer and great conversation here on the Beer Geeks WYLK. I am joined by the always happy Matt from Massive Beer Reviews. Yeah, baby. <laughs> and Billy from Backyard Ale House. How you doing? Has made it three in a row now. Is, is that, that a record? I think it's three in a row. For this year, it is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, George is, of course, out at another brewery. Uh, something he's in the woods He's now. out Georging. Yeah. yeah, he's out just being George, if you know him at all. That's that's what he does. Uh, so this week, we have on the show Fort George Brewery from Astoria, Oregon, which we were just talking before we went on the air. I didn't even think about it. That is where the Goonies were shot. So uh, if you're a kid of... Of our ilk. I think they shot it. They had the house there. I know a lot of the exteriors were shot in Astoria. And I wasn't even thinking about that. So there's even another cool thing going on in that area. Slick yeah. shoes. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we're going to be talking to, to owner of Fort George Brewery, uh, Jack Harris, come up on the show. Really great beers. Uh, really great brewery. I've, I've had a few from them, and they're all phenomenal. Uh, before we get into anything else, let's get a little bit of beer news. Now, one of the things that uh, kind of made the internets ablaze this week was the announcement between Southern Tier and Victory. Uh, they announced that they're going to unite under a new holding company. Uh, it's going to be called Artisanal Brewing Ventures. Both breweries will still operate independently for the day-to-day, all the way down to the paychecks is what they or their exact words were. Um, I think, to me, from the way that seems, like you're going to see a lot more of that coming because that seems to be where a lot of crap breweries are doing is they're circling the wagons onto themselves to kind of protect each other from what you know, the, I don't know, the evil warfare that's going on out there. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, to, to quote the, the great uh, Jack from the greatest TV show of his, in the history of mankind, Lost, uh, either live together or die alone. And that's kind of like <laughs> the vibe they're going for. Yeah. They can see the forecast coming to where, like, either be you're going to be gobbled up or be lost in the in the wake. And I guess, yeah. you know, teaming up with um, two pretty big breweries mm-hmm. in the scheme of things just helps them fend off any kind of... Uh, Rainy weather. I yeah, it, 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 there's a lot of that I think you're going to see coming up as a way because no matter what, I mean, you saw everything happen to Legion. Like their owner did not want to sell yeah. and was kind of forced into it. And you don't want to have that happen in any way. So a lot of these breweries, I think that's how they're going to kind of protect one another against all of this because if you become too large, it's a way to fend off the the attacking, the advancing forces. The hyenas? Yeah. yeah. I do I do find it a little weird they're, they're trying to stay as independent as possible. You figure you have more brain power. You might as well come no. together and, and come up with a well, I'm sure it's going to lead to, yeah, I'm sure it's going to lead to kind of crossovers and things as it yeah. goes. But right now, that's how they're, they're wording it is it's gone out as a holding group and they're going to be independent. Uh, on the backing of this other buyout stuff, Goose Island, uh, now you know they were bought up by AB InBev quite a number of years ago, but this week they actually sold the original brew pub, like the original location of Goose Island was sold to AB. It wasn't part of the original deal. I guess there's some kind of Illinois law that prevented that from happening when that deal went through. They could not buy it, but now it has gone through, and so now they're going to be purchasing that. So, I don't know. Now it's fully fully gone, and I don't know how people... I don't, you know what, though? I, I can't even say that because just all I have to say is Bourbon County Stout. Not seeing yeah. anything that people are going to you know go at. I mean, for that pub part to not be included, I'm sure it's like a baseball contract that was like a yeah. brew pub to be named later in the, in the whole holdings <laughs> yeah. of it. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. waiting for the laws to pass. So it was probably in their grasp to begin with. But now yeah, it's I'm official. sure they, they kind of, from the way it sounds, is that they were they didn't make somewhat of an attempt to do it at the time, but it was Illinois law that prevented it. So that's apparently changed now. So they've gone back in and done that. Uh, now, one of the other things, uh, Stone Brewing announced this week. Now, we've talked about them opening up their brewery in Germany, but they're actually actually going to be doing cans at that brewery for Europe. And they're only going to be doing four. They're going to be doing Stone IPA, Ruination, Arrogant Bastard, and their Stone Cali Belge. And they're going to be in cans, but they're not doing that here yet. Only Europe. Is it, are cans that, I, I, I could see America be more of a can place. Maybe that's just me being ignorant with blinders on, but I just think cans, I think more yeah, of the United sure. States thing. So I, I don't, I mean, I know that their, their press release was about the environmental and blah, blah, blah and, I, and I get all that, yeah. but it's like, why aren't we doing it here? I don't know if they're kind of doing that because they're just getting into that market and people aren't used to, because now I think as they did that in America, 
you already have all the bottles out. So you're going to start to see the, and this is just me. I have no clue, but uh, cans coming out, then you're going to see the cans next to the bottles. Oh, the cans are fresher. I know they're newer and the bottles are going to sit and yeah. they're going to have to let that cycle. I, I don't know if that has anything. I, I have absolutely no idea why they're not doing it here. I'm just. The only other thing I could think of would be they were building, you know, the new one went online last year, right? I, I think just coming online. Yeah, yeah. It, it, they probably built it with making cans in mind, yeah. so it was already integrated into the brewery itself rather than who knows what they need to make it happen with the breweries they have here. Maybe I, it's one of those things. I'm sure it's going to come over at some oh, point. Yeah. There's no way, because there's a lot of demand from Americans that they, they've even acknowledged that in the press release, that there is a lot of people well, wanting it. What do I know? I've seen delirium tremens in Kansas, yeah. so I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's all over the place. Place. Yeah. All right, let's get into a couple new beers. Uh, Firestone Walker, their Luponic Distortion is a new one, and I actually tried that the other day, and it's phenomenal. It's uh, They're doing it every 90 days, I believe is what they're doing. They're, they're releasing these IPAs with different hops in it. They're just It's an excuse for them to experiment with hops. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So if, if we've had Matt Brennelson on the show before, uh, you know Matt loves his hops, and that's his big passion with everything, and just wants to be able to experiment with it. So it's kind of, I think he leaned on them as to get an excuse to be able to do that, because that's what I, what I gather. Matt is very much a scientist at heart, and that's his background. Uh, and I think any excuse to be able to continue that scientific endeavor, he, he will go for. They do weird stuff over there at yeah. Firestone Walker. Like, even their sour program is, is kept, like, um, uh, like an hour away from the brewery, and they don't even brew in the sour brew house. Like, they actually just ship wort down to yeah. the, the sour one and then just screw around with it at this location <laughs> an hour away. It's really weird. I, I dig that. No, they, they do so many cool things. I love Matt. He's a great guy. Uh, now, one of the other new beers, Sierra Nevada, their beer camp, they announced they have their, their West Latitude Session Rye. Now, this is... This is the definition of a collaboration beer. <laughs> this is a collaboration they did with Bear Republic, Fraction Brewing, Mad River Brewing, Magnolia Brewing, and Maui Brewing. <laughs> so Sounds that, like a party. That's just one beer. <laughs> What's <laughs> the name of the beer? It, it is West Latitude Session Rye. It's, it's uh, brewed with hibiscus. Oh, I thought you said too many cooks in the kitchen. Um, it's, <laughs> it's my bad. Yeah, so that, that is a definitive collaboration beer that's coming out in the Beer Camp series. So look for that one coming down the old pike. Uh, so let's get into some beers now. Now, we have the first one from Fort George. This is their session IPA. This is overdub, 4.5% ABV. And right off the bat, as soon as we all pour this, the nose on this is absolutely incredible, whether it's session or not. It's just such a really bright nose with a lot of hop aroma coming through, but really a bouquet kind of. It's not leaning overly citrus or overly pine. or It just has this like really wonderful balance of everything. One of the better lower ABV yeah. um, uh, IPAs I've ever had. Um, and the can is fantastic. Yeah, can, I mean, you guys got to look, cool. look up the cans. <laughs> well, no, you got to touch the can. That's a, the real yeah. cool thing is the, 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 the design on it's awesome, but feeling the can, it has this like texture to it that makes it really cool. It's, it's like sh- um, shirt screen print. Yeah. As opposed to like yeah. just to like flat screen print. It's really cool. Yeah. It kind of feels like metallic and it makes a really cool feeling. But no, it's, it's just really nice dry bite to it too. It has a really wonderful bite. Just this, it's, it's kind of... A dank grapefruit, I think, is the best way. It, it just has that West Coast feel to it, but it's not overly West Coast. But it's not, it's not East Coast either. It's not overly malty. It's just a, a really well balanced, dry style IPA, and I just I love the the bite from this. And at four and a half, like this kills the majority of, of session IPAs I've had. This is the, at, uh, the time in the show when I get angry because this is what I want in my fridge as like a crusher beer. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just something I'm just going to pound and chug a ton of and uh, now I can't. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's definitely it's a really good go-to and just like, you know, just showcasing what this brewery does. I mean, that, that's how I, I became familiar with them was on the wording from uh, a lot of people about their Vortex IPA. So I mean, it's great to have this because I, I have never had this one before to kind of show that the brewery really does know what they're doing, getting into this whole session IPA thing. Craze, not a craze. You know, and saying that right now, it seems like it's kind of not been the way it was. Like, it seemed like last year, everyone was trying to put a session IPA out. And it seems like this year, it's kind of like, I don't know what where we're going, but does, I don't see that push as much coming down the pike, like even with the announcements of new beers. Um, I think it might be a seasonal thing too. I think they well, push yeah. a lot of sessional bull stuff during the, the warmer months. But I mean, what I'm saying is, I don't see on brewing schedules for breweries. Yeah, they're, they're don't, they don't have that in for a lot. They, it's either the ones they already worked it in, but I don't see any the, anyone putting newer ones out. Yeah, I mean, the ones that already have it are just produce whatever they have, and then new breweries are just trying to make a mark, so everybody's trying to make yeah. something odd or off the wall or different. <sighs> No, I could definitely. This is definitely a 
drinkable, extremely drinkable beer. And like the four and a half percent is phenomenal because it drinks like, I don't want to say a regular IPA, but I mean, it does drink like a, a really solid American IPA. Like I wouldn't, if someone said this was a session, I wouldn't know it right off the bat. Yeah. It's that watery quality. If someone handed it to me and was like, yeah, this is a six and a half, seven percent IPA, I'd be like, spot on. Yeah. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Oh, I think that's way. the objective though, right? I mean, that's yeah. really what it's... Yeah, yeah. It's the that flavor full, without full. as much ABV. Yeah, yeah. The, the point of a session IPA isn't to, to taste lighter, it's just to have a lighter ABV. And that's like the great thing about this is when you have that done correctly and you have that balance, you don't know it's a session IPA unless someone tells you. And that's what you should have. And, you know, unfortunately, we've had ones that you know right away that <laughs> that's what that is. And uh, this is just absolutely phenomenal. Amazing way to kick off the show. Uh, and right now, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to be joined on the phone by Jack Harris, owner of Fort George Brewery, and really dive deep in all the cool things they got going on there. So stay tuned here on the Beer Geeks, WYLK. Today's GetMyPerks.com deal of the day combines your two favorite things, painting and wine. Choose from two great deals for Sip and Silk in Wilkesbury. Either get one seat to the February 26th Sip and Silk event for just $20 or book a private party for up to 15 people at Sip and Silk for just $400. Both deals are for half price. Sip, snack, and create your own hand-painted silk scarf in a relaxing party atmosphere. Anyone can create a beautiful scarf. And still available at GetMyPerks.com. Get a $20 voucher to Red, White, and Brew Saloon in Plains for just $10. Restless for spring? Don't worry, it's right around the corner. But for now, mom's got a sure cure. Garrity's Cabin Fever sales event, February 21st through the 27th. In our butcher shop, there's Sanderson Farms boneless and skinless U.S. grade A chicken breasts in the value pack. Now $1.99 a pound. Mom saves you $2 a pound. 80% lean store ground beef is now just $2.99 a pound. For any size package, you save $1.30 a pound. In mom's produce garden, there's a smart way to get ahead. Crisp Iceberg Lettuce. Now just 99 cents a head. Save $1 on each. And wake up to savings on Green Mountain K-Cups. Now $5.79 for a 12-count box. Excludes Donut House Blend. And save $2.20. Use your gold card and find total savings up to $201.70. Look for our money-saving insert in Sunday's paper. Get out of that cabin and start saving because it pays to shop with mom. Visit us online at Garrity's.com. Follow us on Twitter. Like us on Facebook. Attention, business owners. Now's the time to save with the Comcast Business Switch and Save event. Call 800-501-6000 now to get 30% off the regular price on the speed you need to download files faster, send large email attachments, process credit card transactions, and more. You'll get fast 25 megabits per second internet for just $69.95 per month when you add phone and TV, our lowest price of the year. But hurry, this offer ends soon. Afraid switching will disrupt your business? With our no-glitch switch, you can choose your installation time. Days, nights, even weekends. Plus, you get our 30-day money-back guarantee. Don't miss the Comcast Business Switch and Save event. Get 30% off internet plus our no-glitch switch. Call 800-501-6000 now. Offer ends 331-16. Restrictions apply. Limited to one voice line and private view TV for new business customers with two-year contract. Equipment, taxes, fees, including broadcast TV fee extra. The Employment Expo 2016 is your chance to find the best regional employee candidates in northeastern Pennsylvania. Represent your company at the area's largest employment event with more than 2,000 job seekers. Multiple level booth options and expo handout display spaces are now available. Reserve your booth now through March 4th and receive discounted registration. The Employment Expo will take place Wednesday, April 6th from 9 to 4 at Mohegan Sun Arena, Casey Plaza. Go to ScrantonChamber.com or call 570-342-7711 for more information. Nothing like having some really good beers on a Sunday. It's a good day. It was a little West Coast this weekend, too. A little rainy, a little nice weather. It's fall-like. Yeah, so. a bizarre, if you will. If uh, if any of our listeners on the East Coast, you know what the heck we're talking about, because we went from, like, negative, what, 30 to 55 the next day or something. <laughs> I'm not complaining. It's, oh, it's, it's, I mean, I love the warm. It's just it doesn't make any sense. I don't know what's going on. All right. But I do know what's going on with this. Right now we have on the phone with us uh, from Fort George Brewery, we have owner Jack Harris joining us. Jack, how you doing today, bud? Jack, you there? I'm here. Can uh, you hear me? Yes. Now we can hear you. We're all good. All good. All right. So we do, we're diving into some of these beers, but before we get into anything, I kind of want to get into a little bit of your background. It's like, when did you yourself first get into brewing and, and that whole history of that? 
I started brewing. I got out of college in the very late 80s and went to work for a company called McMenamins in Portland. And I don't know if you guys are familiar with them. They own a chain of brew pubs now. Back then it wasn't a huge chain. Now it's a huge chain. But uh, they taught me to brew. And so I brewed from them. And then in the early 90s, I moved to Colorado and helped start the Mountain Sun in Boulder. Wow. Then I moved back to Oregon and I was kind of a mercenary brewer at a bunch of different places, but ended up um, at Bill's Tavern on the Oregon coast in Cannon Beach and brewed there for nine years before starting um, Fort George in 2007. So what got you into this in the beginning? Like you're talking about in in the 90s, that that really was, I mean, I know it was a little different on the West Coast. There were some more things happening, but what got you wanting to go down that path? You know, it's not, I was never a home brewer. I uh, I was not a very good waiter, and <laughs> I was not a very good cook, and so I found my place back in the brewery, and it, I never really intended it for actually to be a career until I was five or six years into it, and then I didn't know what else to do, so. So it wasn't like a, a beer you had or something that really opened your eyes? It was just, you, you just kind of fell into it and realized you had a knack for it? I'm really good at cleaning stainless steel and mopping the floor. I'm really good at it. Well, that's all you need to do to get in the ground floor, I'll tell you that. So when when did uh, Fort George actually open up then? We opened. Uh, we are about ready to celebrate our ninth anniversary on March 11th. So now, Congrats. What was the uh, the inspiration for the name and everything for you guys? Well, that is, uh, we had a business plan. I have a business partner named Chris Memowell. Um, and uh, we had a business plan. We had some money from some gullible friends and family. <laughs> and we had some ideas. I've been working in brew pubs for years, so um, but we didn't have a name. So we leased a space in what is called the Fort George Building, which um, I thought sounded like a great name for a brew pub. So that's what we called it. But the source of that is uh, this is in Astoria, Oregon, the mouth of the Columbia River. And Astoria was founded in 1811 as a John Jacob Astor's fur trading post. And then during the War of 1812, the British took it over and renamed it Fort George. And so Astoria was known as Fort George into the mid 1800s before it reverted back to Astoria. So now moving into that building, was there, I mean, I'm just trying to think of like the nightmares of trying to, was it kind of laid out that was conducive for you or was there a lot of headaches with that? It was an empty shell with most of the windows broke out and birds living inside and standing water. And so, uh, but it was, you know, brew pubs, whenever I go to an old town and I'm looking for the brew pub, I rarely, I mean, in the old days, I never had a phone to look it up. But all you really had to do is go find the coolest, oldest building in town. And uh, that's where people were putting brew pubs. So it's very much like that. It, was, it's, it looked like a brew pub to me the first time I saw it. So when you guys first opened up, what were the kind of the initial beers? Was there something you were, you were going for that you had, I don't know, a knack for more, like a style? Or was it, did you have, like, were you an English brewery, a German type? Or was it just whatever you felt like doing? I kind of came up in the tradition of... Um, not putting a lot of emphasis on brewing to style, but more like brewing an eclectic sort of uh, uh, palette of different beers. To try to, you know, we always had a fruit beer. We always had a kind of a lighter golden ale. We always had a, uh, I always made pale ales. I brewed professionally for 17 years and I'd never made an IPA. And my partner was very interested in making IPAs. So that was kind of one of our first beers was the Vortex IPA. Yeah, that was definitely one of the beers that, that got me introduced to, to you guys. So now, when you were c- kind of going through this, I mean, you seem like you've been around the Oregon beer scene for a while. I'm sure it's drastically different now with everything, especially with how Portland's gone. What were kind of some of those things that were happening in those early days? Were there brew pubs and, and breweries popping up, or was it just kind of a slow go for quite some time? You're talking like back in the early 90s? Yeah, kind of? yeah, yeah, up to when you open up the brewery. Oh, I've heard from, since I worked at McMenamin's back in the uh, early 90s, I started for them in 1989, but uh, um, I, I always heard there's, oh, there's too many brew pubs. They, this, you know, there were four breweries in town or five breweries or something, and, oh, you know, you don't want to open another brew pub. They're just, they're getting oversaturated, and that was in the early 90s, and so... And I've heard that every three or four years that comes up. It's like, uh, no, there's too many, there's too many. But 
Um, man, there's, I think there's 20 more plans for Portland in the next year and a half or two years or something. So obviously those people were wrong. I think at <laughs> some point there may be too many, but I'm not going to be the one to say it. <laughs> no, you gotta let everybody else take care of that one. So now, one of the other things I want to talk about, the, the decision for you to can beers, was that something you planned to do primarily right off the, the start, or was it just you, you kind of weighed the two out? Cause, I mean, did you when did you first start canning, I guess, is the first question. We started canning. We opened in 2007, and we started canning. We bought the building next door to us and put in, so we started with a uh, um, eight and a half barrel system. And then we bought this building next door to us and added a 30 barrel brewery that we got from St. Arnold's in Houston. And uh, so we've been working that thing. And then that's when we got our canning line. And we went into cans at that point because that was, you know, in 2011, it was becoming a real serious option. And before that, there really wasn't a viable option, but, once cans became a real option, we like cans for how they treat the beer, the um, not letting any light into it and getting that sunstruck flavor. They seam up uh, better than bottle caps, not dealing with broken glass all over the place. They're a lot lighter. They're eight times lighter than glass. Um, they work really well for us. We, we do some bottling projects throughout the year, like our uh, bourbon barrel stout and mm-hmm. stuff like that, but mostly we like going into cans. Okay. So now, one of the other things I want to ask you, since uh, we're on the can things, why did you have to remove IBUs from your cans? We did not have to remove IBUs from our cans. We, uh, I, I've been ranting against about and apparently against IBUs for years. I understand them as an in-house sort of way to gauge consistency, but when customers are coming up to me at the bar and asking for the beer with the most IBUs. It just drives me nuts because that really, I believe people have been misled to think that that number has a lot to do with the flavor profile of the beer because it's just not the case. And I can take up the rest of your show. I, I, I give this whole hour-long talk on my beer does not taste like IBUs, and uh, they just drive me nuts. And so we, we sort of took them off. We just were done. We want to describe our beers in a way that tell people what they're going to taste like, not some arbitrary number that has nothing to do with it. So that, that's why uh, we, don't put, we don't publish our IBUs. No, I feel you, brother, man. Uh, people seem, for some reason, to have decided to correlate hoppiness with IBUs, and, and and they don't have anything to do with each other. Um, it's a matter of balance, and I don't know. It's dumb. I agree with you wholeheartedly. <laughs> well, good. So stop using IBUs. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you can get out. You know, you got to get an anti-IBU T-shirt and start selling that one too. I'm sure you'll get some people jumping on that one. Yeah, I'm giving, actually, there's a Northwest Homebrewer Conference in a couple of weeks, and I'm giving that talk a couple of times, so we'll see. You know, some people don't like to hear that. They just roll their eyes at me, but whatever. I think it goes part and parcel with the whole, you know, craze of IPAs taking off, and I think that's that's just what you said. Like, people tend to think that's what a good IPA is. A higher IBU means a better IPA, and it's like, that's not really how it goes. It has all depend on the brewing. I mean, I could throw a ton of hops and water and serve it to you. It doesn't taste like anything good, but it would have like an IBU, high IBU count because there's a bunch of hops thrown into it. I think that's the problem with it is it, it's people not, uh, this, I got to be careful with this too because I don't want to crap on anybody, but you know, it, it's just people not having that knowledge when they walk into something and it's just, that's the baseline easy way of, of tagging something. Yeah, I've tried to find the source where, where it Started and how it went from a lab results for measuring consistency at Anheuser Busch to homebrewers trying to be in this arms race to get to the 199 IBUs in their beer, and I don't, I don't know where that went off. Well, we'll find someone just to blame them. We got to have a scapegoat. I mean, that's the that's the whole point of everything, isn't it? <laughs> so, one of the other things you guys have going on now is Stout Month. What, what are you guys doing for that one? Oh, Stout Month is huge for us. We uh, um, It makes February one of our biggest months of the year. But basically, we uh, kind of change all our... We have, we have three bars on the block, and they uh, we, we're pouring uh, eight different stouts out of each one of them right now. And um, we just put on our Festival of Dark Arts was last Saturday. And that was... Um, we had 60 stouts on tap all day long, and a lot of guest stouts. And all sorts of other crazy stuff going on, fire dancers and all sorts of things going on. But uh, um, 
So Stout Month is something I, I kind of came up with years ago, and I've drug around to different places I've worked. A uh, place in Boulder, uh, the Mountain Sun, they go nuts with Stout Month as well. But they kind of take February and just celebrate the uh, beauty of Stouts. Now, has that, it, that, has that really taken off right from the get-go for you when you first started that? Were people really on board with that one? Yeah, yeah, people love it. It's You know, you'll have your, I hate dark beer people, but um, <laughs> if there's nothing else to drink, then they have to try it. So you put all stouts <laughs> on, and it's remarkable how um, how popular it is and how people travel from miles oh. to uh, come in. And, and we do this, uh, it's called the blind taster tray. So um, you get your taster tray of eight stouts, and they all look the same, and you've got this sheet that has a cheat sheet on the backside, but you're supposed to make all your tasting notes and then flip it over and see what you've been drinking. It's really fun. Oh, wow. That's awesome. So where, where can people find some of Fort George's music? Where are you guys distributing at right now? Well, we self-distribute to our county, Clatsop County and Tillamook County to the south of us and a little bit of Washington. Um, and then we send our beer to distributors in Seattle and Portland. And so our, our distribution footprint is Oregon, Washington, Idaho. In fact, we just took on a little marketing thing that we put on all our stuff lately that is um, distributed only in the Pacific Northwest. Wow. Now, is that, are you guys, do you want to be, because I mean, we've had a couple of breweries on here before, like like uh, Odell, like Doug Odell, like their, their whole thing was they want to be a large regional brewery. Is that where you see yourself going with this, or, or do you want to just kind of go, you know, where you can as you grow? I get really nervous when our beer gets more than a day's drive away from us. So it's uh, um, even in Spokane, I I get nervous with my beer there because it's so far. Yeah, I just we don't pasteurize, we don't uh, filter our beer. We um, require all our beer is cold stored all the time, the cans and kegs and. Uh, I know that doesn't happen all the time. And, you know, we get calls all the time from California, Tennessee, um, East Coast, you know, wanting our beer. My feeling is in a lot of those places and distributors, you're the new thing for a week, a month, maybe two or three months, and then they're moving on to something else. We really want to sell our beer with people that are familiar with us and um, know our audience and know what they want. And just we just kind of want to keep it local. So what other kind of future plans do you have for the brewery? Like any like newer beers coming up this year people can look forward to? Or Every year we do a collaboration with two other breweries on a summer seasonal called uh, Three-Way IPA. And this year's collaboration is with Melvin's in Wyoming and Barley Brown's out of Central or, or uh, Eastern Oregon and um, Baker City. And both of those breweries are really renowned for their, um, I don't know if you ever heard of Pallet Jack uh, or the Pallet Jack series um, out of Barley Browns, but they're really renowned for their IPA. So we're really excited to work with those guys on our three-way IPA this summer. Now, is that something you, you, the breweries change every year as you release that one? Yeah, the breweries wow. change every year. Last year we worked with Georgetown and Freem Brewing. And uh, we just kind of change it around over here. That's awesome. Well, now we're getting into, since we're, we're on the IPA thing, we have in our glass the Vortex IPA, which is kind of the, the first beer that I, I became familiar with you guys through. Now, when you first start brewing this, have the hops or anything like that changed? As I know there's always issues with hops as this industry grows. Has it always been the same yeah, recipe? We are, yeah, and that's another thing I've had us do in our new can designs is we're sort of taking off all of the different hop varieties on them. You know, hops... Uh-huh. You know, we, we were going for an effect, not out of a specific cup, but it's really Simcoe heavy is, is how I would describe it. It's a super Simcoe heavy beer, and it's evolved a little bit in the last few years. Um, we've been working on the aromatics, and uh, so um, we blended in some citra and some centennials as well to kind of round out that uh, that funky Simcoe flavor. And uh, we don't, we hardly bitter it at all. Uh, in fact, the vast majority of those hops go into on the cold side. Wow. On the uh, dry hopping side. Well, that makes sense. I, I can get that because the, the way that bittering is, like it, it's very smooth. It's the, It has that crisp quality to it instead of being overly bitter and puckering kind of. Yeah, you'd be amazed. We have this 30-barrel kettle, and how few hops go in on the first edition. It's almost frightening. But uh, <laughs> it's more to keep the boil from coming out of the kettle than anything else. But, yeah, most of the hops, they really do end up uh, 
for aromatics. Now, with you saying you're not filtering the beers, was was that something you initially wanted to do right off the bat, or was that just kind of as you were doing it, you, you were tasting the beers as they were coming out and made that decision that I don't want to because this is exactly how I want it to be already? Uh, yeah, there's no the philosophy here is that I worked in a brewery that had a plate and frame filter once, and I hated that. And so we're not going to you know, filter our beer. And I never really learned how to use the DE filter. I'm sure we could figure it out. We have one. It came with the brewery, but we uh, um, sitting upstairs. No, actually, we sold that. We had sat on it for like two and a half years. We sold it now. Sorry about that. But, but I can't uh, um, go back. <laughs> Uh, no, we just uh, uh, have found, we don't like filtering, so we don't filter. We think that strips as much out of the beer as you gain for any sort of stability. Yeah, no, I mean it, it does come. That's why I was asking because it does come through. Like, like if I had this right as it was pre-filtering, I wouldn't want to touch it because what you'd be losing, you would lose the qualities that that have in this, like that little juiciness, that crispness coming through. I think would kind of dissipate a little bit as you filter that through. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, uh, we've never run it through a filter. It'd be interesting, actually, just to see what it does. But, uh, yeah, we like it how it is. Yeah, no, it's absolutely perfect. And then we had overdub before; it's also great. And um, but we're gonna we're gonna wrap everything up right now. I really appreciate you taking the time to give us a call, Jack. It was a great interview. Love what you guys are doing. We have a couple more beers we're gonna work through too. And you know, congrats with everything you guys have going on. Your anniversary coming up and everything. And good luck with your stout month. <laughs> well, thank you so much, and uh, good job with the radio show. Keep it up. Not a problem. Thanks, bud. Cheers. All right, bye bye. Uh, good times, and uh, no, this is like the vortex is absolutely like, these two beers to start out with, perfect. Yeah, and I'm, it, I'm equally impressed with um, the beers and his vibrance so early in the morning. Yeah, yeah that's the other thing you know we have to keep that in <laughs> mind. Like he is calling from Oregon, so it's it's nine in the morning on a Sunday out there, which is always kind of especially within the industry because Saturday night is kind of a notorious night of just kind of a lot of people debauchery. Yeah, Sundays is kind of a lot of breweries. A lot of them uh, like to have that as the day to, to relax for everybody. So Saturday night's kind of the night where everybody likes to blow off steam. I guess is the best way of putting it. And uh, but no, it, it, a great interview. Like they have a really cool. I mean. A great history too that he has. I mean, going at that long in this industry, out in that area specifically too, like really staying true to the, the yeah, whole organization. Twenty-seven years, yeah, and then just really doing like, and it shows in the beers. I mean, it it's they've only been around nine years, but I mean, they've really like right off the bat. I mean, this is what he was saying, like the vortex that they've changed it a little bit, but I mean, pretty much this is what it was from the beginning. And like, if I had this like nine years ago or eight years ago, even if it wasn't one of the first one. I would have been impressed. Yeah. And it just so goes to show you a lot of brewers actually talk about how they're like uh, the chain of command when it comes to their beer, they get a little bit nervous. He like you can actually hear like the, the trembling in his voice. Yeah. Like, I don't like it when a beer gets yeah. like, more than a day away from <laughs> yeah. me. You know what I mean? Just because, you know, there's that passion that's there. Yeah. yeah you have you, that. And, you know, the further it gets away, the more, you know, the sit in a nice have, hot truck yeah. across uh, the Midwest. Uh, yeah. He would just probably we, we don't want to poo poo on distributors, <laughs> but that's kind of one of the things you see, you hear. We hear from a lot of breweries. Like, that's yeah. where they get nervous is because. Because, you know, not every distributor is reputable. I guess that's the best way of putting it. And they are told sometimes, hey, we're going to keep a cold store, blah, 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 blah. And that sounds great. And then they find out it's not. And then what do you do? You yeah. know, like you, you, in some states, like you can't really do anything. You've signed that contract. That's it. So they get nervous to, to enter into something like that where that's their precious thing. That's their name. And like not that distributors want to ruin the beer. It's just some of them can't cold store everything. Yeah, well, they, I wouldn't say can't. It's more probably they have, if they have cold storage when they yeah. get the first electric bill, they go, screw this. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because yeah. it really is a distributor. It's, oh, it, yeah. it's, it's a business for profit. I mean, even, There's no- even in transportation from the distributor to your your your, your retail your facility, distribution yeah. points yeah. Is, is is generally a, a, a pretty big weakness yeah. in, in, in the chain. There, there's so much with it, and you could hear that because that's why, I mean, the self-distributing basically into three states, that's big. Yeah. I mean, and, and having everything run there, that they're doing a lot of stuff at the brewery and everything. Like, it's not just, you know, uh, manufacturing for slavery or stuff. Just cause they're doing stuff there, too. So to take all that on, like, really shows, like, this is how much they care about what they're doing. And it does show in the beer that we've had, too, which is a great thing. So, all right. But right now, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to have some more great beers to tap into from uh, Fort George. So stay tuned here in WLK at the Beer Geeks. Hi, I'm Carl Deichler, the CEO of Beachbody, and I'm here to tell you about an amazing new way you can start losing weight for free right now. You've probably seen our workout DVDs on TV like P90X, Insanity, and 21 Day Fix. We just launched a beta trial of our new digital video platform, Beachbody On Demand. So while we're testing out this new digital video service, I'm inviting you to use it for free for 30 days. That means you can lose 10 pounds, 20 pounds, even 30 pounds without paying a dime. Just text the 
word TRIAL to 313131. And you can do 30 days of P90X, Insanity, or any of over 400 workouts for free. Now here's the catch. In return, all I ask is you let us know what you think of the service so we can make Beachbody On Demand the best fitness and weight loss site ever created. Just text TRIAL to 313131 and get started for free right now. Again, text TRIAL to 313131. Message and data rates may apply. Membership fees apply after 30-day trial. Cancel anytime. The Harlem Globetrotters will celebrate the team's 90th year at Mohegan Sun Arena at Casey Plaza, Saturday, March 5th at 2 and 7 p.m. Grab your tickets at Ticketmaster.com and don't miss your chance to get in on the action Saturday, March 5th at 2 and 7 p.m. Hi, it's Sue Henry from WILK. The holidays are over and it's time to start thinking about yourself and making some changes. Get rid of that pillow and treat yourself to my pillow it's the official pillow of the national sleep foundation what makes my pillow so special is the patented interlocking fill that adjusts to your individual sleep needs you could put it in the washer and fluff it in the dryer there's a 10-year warranty it's guaranteed not to go flat a 60-day money-back guarantee and it's made in the united states of america in minnesota right now there's a special offer on premium pillows from my pillow these pillows have four different long off levels so everyone is customized to you as an individual. Here's the toll-free number 800-544-7893. Use the promo code WILK for a special buy one get one offer. 800-544-7893 or visit them on the internet at mypillow.com. Come see the show the critics are raving about. Satisfaction, the International Rolling Stone show at the Scranton Cultural Center March 3rd at 8 p.m. CBS News New York calls it a must-see. Go get satisfaction. Tickets are $29 and are available at the Scranton Cultural Center's Fidelity Bank box office or by calling 570-344-1111. Satisfaction is sponsored in part by Toyota of Scranton, LT Verastro, UGI, and the Hilton Scranton. JMAG Arms and Defense Wild Winter Sale All in-store inventory is 10 to 20% off. Law enforcement, first responders, and military take an extra 5% off. JMAG Arms and Defense, 106 Camellia Road, Broadheadsville. Open Tuesday through Saturday, 10 to 5. Call 570-801-7562. This is a nice fall day song. This is a nice... um I'm uh, driving erratically and over people on Grand Theft Auto <laughs> song. This is some Vice City stuff right there. Oh, we have different viewpoints on life, I think. <laughs> All right, so we, we poured another beer into our glass now from Fort George. This is their plaid. It is a Scotch Ale We Heavy, 7% ABV. Uh, and it's like a, we were just talking, like, it's it's a style that a fair amount of brewers do, but they, they don't almost like they don't push it. Like they, they almost kind of, I don't want to say they don't want you to have it. It's just like, it's a, it's a style that if you love Scotch ales, like you love Scotch ales and like you really want to seek them out. But it, it's not something that a lot of people that are just getting into craft beer or anything like that will, will try because a lot of times, especially if you're getting into American versions of it, they tend to be a little, the smokiness will come through. And because of, you know, tradition dictates that's what's in there, even though if you go back and have some traditional ones, they're not as smoky. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of leeway played yeah. with oh, yeah. uh, Scotch Ales or Wee Heavies or whatever you want to call them. Um, and it's kind of always been like a um, – breweries rarely hang their hat on a Scotch Ale, but it's always, to me, been like a, a somewhere a gap, a ladder between like old ales and uh, English barley whites. Yeah. It's like some yeah, kind yeah, of tweener style. Yeah. So it's like I believe sometimes breweries might m- try to make an old ale or barley wine and kind of miss and be like, <laughs> hey, we made a Scotch Ale. There you go. No, <laughs> Congratulations. It, it, this is nice. It has like that, that hint of smokiness and like the caramel in there. It's just – if you're not familiar with Scotch Ale, it's a, it's a really – Multi style. It is not something that if, if you're a hophead, you I don't know if you would really even enjoy because it's it's just it's complete opposite end of the spectrum, very much so. Um, but just like a really nice maltiness. It's a sweet kind of caramel taste. Little hints of smoke in there and everything. But it's it's nice. It's it's a lighter style. Like there there's some Scotch ales that are super heavy, like really really heavy malt, the super dark. This still has like you can still kind of see through it. it. It's it's a little more lighter amber color. It's not dark, but it still has those really wonderful mark, malt characteristics. 
sticks to them. Yeah, and, and pretty much just what you said, which is um, it's it, it's there's not much hops there to begin yeah. with, and with with a bulk of people, especially in the United States, get, coming into beer through the IPA door. When people are like, I want to get into English ales or I want to get into Belgian ales, the first thing I tell them is like, okay, you're you're not dealing with hops anymore. You're yeah. dealing with English. You're dealing with malts and, and English yeast, more malt. But then Belgian, it's all about the yeast. So it's like that's why I think maybe a lot of American brewers don't do it because they're so, I don't want to say relying on hops. No, yeah, but I mean, but you have to... Um and I'm not saying this, I don't want to be saying it, but it, it's, you have to go where the money is, basically. Yeah. I mean, and yeah. like, that's really where it is. And it's not saying that that's the only reason they're brewing them, blah, blah, blah. But you kind of, like, there, there's been brewers, there was a brewery, I, I can't remember the name, but I think it was down around Philly that opened a few years ago that they came out and said, we're not doing an IPA. We're, we're anti-IPA, we're not doing one. After about a year... They were doing one <laughs> because after you, you know, after like the seven thousand person walks in and asks for your IPA and you say no, and they say okay, thanks, and they leave, you go, oh, you know, what? I think I'm losing a lot of money by uh, stubborn for yeah, the sake of being stubborn. It's like I, I get it, I understand that, and there's a lot of people that have that, and I understand that, but at the same time, if you're running a business. You don't decide that stuff. There's only there's only one brewery in the whole country oh, that has done that, and that's the brewery. They've never made an IPA. They refuse to make one. They've skirted close to the edge of it with some hopped up versions of pails and stuff like that. But uh, they're the exception, not the rule. I mean, yeah. you, you got to give the people what they want, especially if uh, if you need to keep the lights on. Yeah. That, that's really what it comes down to. And it's like, I get that, that whole staunchiness and you want to almost differentiate yourself. But I don't think it's even that cold. It's kind of more of a stubbornness of like, look, I'm so tired of this. Mm-hmm. And I understand that, but you, you kind of have to let the market dictate that type stuff. If yeah. you want to, maybe, maybe you brew a, a bad IPA and you have a good something else, then just push the IPA off and do something. But you can't break out the gate, say something like that. Yeah, yeah that, um, that that statement, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to make an IPA, is not nearly as magnanimous on the bread line as, yeah. as in the brewery. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and like that that's where a lot of this is. But, I mean, it, to have a really nice scotch ale, it, it's a great addition to any beer portfolio for any brewery because it does showcase another talent within the brewer to have that, to get those subtle flavors that are kind of going through. And a scotch ale should be really easy drinking, and it's also a great great style for this time of year because it's a great transition beer from like cold winter into spring that's still malt heavy but not super abv where you have one and done yeah this and beer really i'm sorry Matt, no, but this this beer like kind of really reminds me of like a, a red ale mixed with a barley line barley wine and then just like maybe like a a 10 splash of a Roush beer. Yeah. You know, and yep. it's just like, uh, you know, all these cacophony of, 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 of flavors kind of <laughs> popping out. So. And, 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 and that's what I think it is, is that it, it, the flavors aren't punching you in the face, and that's what a lot of people want to be impacted with flavor. Yeah. And Scotch ales are really like, oh, hold on, what's yeah, going on yeah. with this? <laughs> yeah. And, and, and there it is. It's usually Imperial Stouts, it's huge IPAs. Yeah, it's, it's almost like what, what Jack was saying with the, the whole IBU thing. It's like people think that an aggressively flavored beer style means it's the best. Like if it's a coffee beer, like I want to taste just coffee. Yeah. Like like that's that doesn't that's not how it should be. It should be a nice balance of everything that it, because anybody could just take a bunch of coffee and throw it in something and say it's a coffee beer. Well, it doesn't mean that it's good. I mean like yeah, it could still be good, but it, you need to have this balance that shows that it is still a beer that it took some talent to kind of work through. And you see that with some IPAs that are are touted as being the highest IBU you very few people enjoy them at all because that's all that is it's very one-sided that's not the flavor profile that you want to have you want to have a beer that's drinkable at the end of the day yeah just because it can be done doesn't mean you yeah, should do exactly. it. Yeah, there's like a director I remember years ago that said like, look, just because you can have a thousand wolves running down a hallway doesn't mean you should do it. <laughs> like, that That's the whole point of everything. It's like you, you need to have that balance so that it's enjoyable and you want to go back to it. Now, we just poured into our glass uh, the Cavatica Stout. This is an 8.8% American double imperial stout. Uh, just like a, and this comes in like a tall boy. This is a 16 ounce can, right? I think that's what, yep. yeah. Um, but just like a really nice, this is like a really good one from them too. This is one of the earlier ones I had from them. Now, I, I, I didn't get a chance to ask. I'm wondering what the spider stuff is all over this. That, that actually big, has some yeah. some, some in, uh, taxonomy. Mm-hmm. I guess that's that's what you would call it. Yeah, spiders. So if you have arachnophobia, this might not be your favorite can. <laughs> I'll just say that <laughs> one. But no, this is not, it, it's got, 
it's it's really interesting. So I remember the first time I had this, the hops kind of come through in this in this really nice way that you get this citrus hop bite, but it's balanced within the coffee. It doesn't it. It almost treads the line of like an imperial black IPA kind of thing, like because the hops do come through a bit, but it's still you know definitively a stout. Like you take a sip, like this is the mouthfeel of a stout and everything, but it has like these really nice chocolate malts. This this coffee comes through, but there's this citrus hop bite that comes through that like you almost don't expect initially because of being a stout. But as you have it, it makes the, all the sense in the world for it to be there because it's just so balanced and so easy drinking. And, uh, well, I looked it up while you are talking, Cavatica is the genus for spiders. Mm. Uh, and I guess it, it's, a, it's a barn spider. Oddly enough, it is the premise for uh, Charlotte's Web, too. And there you go. Oh, really? <laughs> Drop a little, uh, little uh, story time science on you. Um, but, yeah, I, I assume it's like they're probably just all dark spiders and stuff like that. It is a barn spider, too, so maybe that they're brewing in like kind of a farmhouse. Maybe mean, there's like spiders or they were spiders. I don't know. But. Yeah, spiders. Spiders in the, the brew house. Yeah. I thought you should call the beer. Spiders in the brew house. Well, it, <laughs> yeah, it's go funny. to Cantillon, at, man. At Cantillon, that's it. They, they kind of like, uh, they kind of like relish the spiders. Yeah. They're, they're oh, yeah. the friend of the brew house. You know, it's like. Yeah, I, I don't know if I can. I, I'm actually not as bad. I used to be terrified of them when I was a kid, but I can handle them a little bit more now. But I don't know if I can. It'd be just so bizarre. Like, I wonder how many people go into Cantillon and be like, what, what do you do? What do you, and like, just they don't get it at all. Because yeah. you know there's people that, that just happen to go, oh, beer, all right. And. <laughs> Nothing will just make, give you a complex quicker than like spiders because if you kill, try to kill a spider, someone's gonna yell at you to kill it, and someone's gonna yell at you don't kill it. Yeah. it. It's good for you, and you don't know what to do. But um, yeah, this kill it. always kill it. I'll just <laughs> with fire. <laughs> thank you very much. But uh, yeah, this is a, this is a fun beer. There's a yeah, presence it, yeah. to it. It tastes like a blended like a Russian Imperial with a Cascadian Dark Ale. Like it was yeah. almost like a blended beer. Tons but of it's, chocolate. It's, it's nice. nice. Like you don't expect the hop, but when you take a drink, like you, it, it makes complete sense. It's there, and it yeah. should be there. So it's almost like why haven't I tasted this kind of more? Because it just really works as this really well blended beer that that is definitely you know as you said like we never really brewed to style. That was kind of their thing, and like you could tell this is definitely just where he wanted this beer to be. And it makes complete sense, and it's just so easy drinking too. For eight point eight, like there's no hint of this being a bigger beer. This this would drink like a five percent, you know, just standard American stout. Yeah, there's a lot of breweries that do like great things, but there's some breweries that are just all about spot on balance. And I think this is definitely one of those breweries. Every now and then we have one on a show where like, wow, everything's just balanced really well. Yeah. And this is definitely one of them. No, that's one thing I definitely say in spades with everything we've had so far. It's just perfect balance within all these beers and to have this, you know, starting out with a really great session IPA all the way up to this and then we're going to be ending on another big beer too which I'm going to finish this in my glass and get that one poured. What's that one? We're getting into now the, the bourbon barrel aged Cavatica Stout. Uh oh. So we're, we're, we're knocking the beer up a notch that we just had. Uh, this is one that George wish would, wishes he was here for, I'm sure, because it's bourbon barrel age. It's That's his jam. I really enjoy that. I haven't tried it yet, but I really enjoy when breweries send the base in yeah, the bourbon, bourbon barrel, barrel age yeah. just to kind of get that. Yeah, you, you can, can see where it yeah. went with it, because that's the one thing. You know, we'll have a lot of beers that have bourbon at, like a bourbon barrel at age to it, but you don't really necessarily always know where it came from. And it's nice, too, to have these like back-to-back that we just had that so we can see where this went. Now, this is 9.9. Is that what it says on there? Yeah, yeah 9.9. This, this beef it up a little bit, so it's up to 9.9. So you're looking 1.1. I, I, there's some neuroticness going on at this brewery that I appreciate. Like, it's a 1.1 added. It's 8.8 .8 to 9.9. You know what I mean? The yeah. No IBU thing. There's some kind of, like, neurotic thing that appeals to my inner neuroticism. This is really good. I'll just say that. Especially having and seeing where that base was to this, the smoothness. That that bourbon barrel added to it, the 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 hops kind of dropped out a little bit. Yeah, I'm not really getting much bourbon in no, the nose. No, it's not. It's not overly not, like, almost nothing in the, in the nose. Yeah, and it's a lot of cherry. Yeah, it, it it's smooth. It's like real round and smooth. Like the the hop bites kind of gone. It just smoothed everything and blended it into this incredibly smooth stout. And is it is it a bourbon barrel? Yeah, it's a bourbon barrel age. Yeah, it's nice. A lot of cherry, like a smoky, smoky char, maybe. Um, I dig it. Yeah, it doesn't, it's not like, you know, we've had a lot of bourbon barrelies on here that, that, you know, tend to be very coconut, very vanilla. Like those are the dominant flavors coming through. That's not within no. this. This is much more of a dark fruit type. Like, it'd be interesting to see what, what the barrel was prior to putting this into it. I think it might say on the side. Was it? There, yeah. yeah. That would help I if think I it read, said, 
Will, will it bourbon? <laughs> no, it's a will it age in a will it bourbon barrel, uh, batch number two eighty eight. But I'm, I'm just wondering how how fresh that barrel was when they put that in because that's what I'm I'm more wondering like because of the, those notes that aren't there, it's not as sharp. I don't, know, I don't know how long they aged it too in it and then afterwards and all that. But I mean, they're, they're, this is just really nice and smooth. This would be a great one if if you've had bourbon barrel ages and they were too sharp. I would say this would be a great one to try because it's so well-rounded and it's not aggressive. Yeah, it's impactful barrel, but it's not over the top. Yeah. Uh, it's just like their beers. It's balanced really well. You're still getting the base beer in there. Of course, you've lost that kind of hot presence that it initially had because it wasn't too big, big to begin with. But with spending time in a barrel, I'm, you know, just guessing, I wouldn't say it spent forever in a barrel. No. Probably like six to ten months. You know, as as this is months. even warming up a little bit more, like it, you get the whiskey notes kind of come through more. It's not like it, tend to, it tends to be when we have these that the uh, the barrel comes through a lot, but you actually get those notes of whiskey. It's almost like little strains kind of in the beer coming through that you just get these hints of whiskey within it that are just like, Really, a thread of Charlotte's Web. There you go. Ooh, coming full circle, baby. Um, and like some bourbons, I know I don't remember having Willet in a while, but it, some bourbons give me um, this kind of like subtle tart green apple, and I'm getting it out of this too. Yeah, it, it, this is more fruity. That, that's that's what yeah. it seems like from the barrel. They got more fruit kind of flavors, like dark flavors. I, I can get my series like a little bit of apple, but it, it's not what we tend to see with a lot of them that are a little sharper, a little more aggressive. Yeah. Like this is just uh, like everything else, like really well balanced and super easy drinking, which is something you really don't say much when you're talking about a bourbon barrel aged beer. It's not something you would say, oh, it's really easy drinking and anyone could try it. Which it's usually like, well, you know, you kind of got to wait till you get to the bourbon barrel age thing because that's a little bit more of, I don't know, big boy, girl stuff. I don't know. <laughs> but it, this is actually one that's great to try like right off the bat. Like if you never had a bourbon barrel aged beer, you could have this and you would get those subtle flavors and it wouldn't be off-putting, which is a tough thing to do. It's not an easy thing when you're getting into these kind of barrel aging things. There's so much that's kind of almost out of your control once yeah. it goes into that barrel and like you kind of have to be at... I don't know, at the whim of whatever it's going to do and see where it goes. But to have this, it's just, it's nice to having these back to back to be able to see what this barrel actually did to the beer. And that's the nice thing. Like the, the hop characteristic of, of the the base, like the Vatica as it was, is kind of cut through and instead it's replaced by the smooth, dark fruit flavors. Yeah, it's like, it, it's it, it, the sweetness is so much bigger, but it's not overly sweet. It it, no. it just makes sense. It's, it's a really fun back to back. Oh, I could drink this. I, pretty much every beer we had today, I would love to have in my fridge at all, point, all times. Yeah. Because they're just yeah. great go-to beers for anything. Love to have the overdub for just a nice sell, a little go-to beer to crush and, I don't know. Just oh, really, ruin I, me for the rest of the day, at least. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So a uh, little reminder here up front now. Uh, we are off for the next two weeks. Two weeks. We get two weeks to recuperate and refresh our livers. And then uh, we back. Does that mean, like, when I come back in two weeks from now, does that mean my streak's still going? It's still, it yeah, does. it'll still be intact. Okay. We'll keep it going. All right. Okay. And uh, when we the come back. The game ain't being played. You yeah. can't be there. Baby. <laughs> That's true. If it's delayed, then uh, you don't have to worry about anything. Um, but now, when we come back, we're going to have with us a uh, Breakside Brewery, which is also great because they're from Portland, Oregon. So we're going to have another Oregon brewery nice. when we come back. And uh, we'll be getting into all that. And we have a whole litany of great breweries coming up after that. We have a, we have a lot of really good ones yeah, coming up. We have up. a lot of really cool stuff. So you definitely want to stay too and so just uh relax a little bit have a beer on us for the next two weeks and if you want go back and listen to some of the older episodes if you feel like doing that if you miss our voices i know i do so uh until then we'll catch everybody when we get back two weeks from now two weeks everybody till then cheers cheers cheers, cheers.